0: Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest, we're talking to Olympian climber Kyra Kondi. Kyra is a 25-year-old professional climber based in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was one of four athletes from the US to compete in sport climbing's debut at the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, all while having 10 vertebrae fused. We'll get to that story of perseverance in the episode. She's motivated by goals in both national and international competitions and outdoor climbing. She's known for her disciplined training routine, listening to reggaeton music, and loving coffee. In this episode, we discuss the parallels between goal setting and climbing. Kyra shares her expertise on how to reach the top and avoid getting discouraged along the way, how to stay consistent, and how fear can play both a healthy and unhealthy part in reaching the top. We also discuss how she fuels herself and her new recovery routine that's improved her performance. Kyra has a great outlook and mindset on setting goals and climbing mountains. Stay tuned to find out how her present focus philosophy can help you set and conquer goals for this new year. Kyra, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. Um, I was just watching videos that Sports Illustrated did on you. And you have such an amazing story. And that's where I'd like to start our conversation today is you just telling us a bit more about your own personal story and how you got into climbing and how you're now one of the first groups of climbers to be in the Olympics.
1: Yeah. So uh I guess a little bit about me. I am 25 years old. I currently live in Salt Lake City. Uh, Utah I'm from Minnesota though uh, and that's where I started climbing Uh, and I actually started climbing at a birthday party Um, that's how I got my start and like introduction to the sport I guess Uh, and learned that there was a team joined the team uh, and then it's kind of all history from there Uh, other than like the slight snag in the road was that I um, got a back surgery when I was 12 I believe I was Um, it was in 2010 and that was for um, idiopathic scoliosis so I basically discovered that my spine was significantly, uh, bent and that I needed to have surgery right away. And so got the surgery, wasn't sure if like climbing was going to be an option afterwards, but like, was, I was pretty optimistic about it. I think some doctors and my parents maybe were slightly more skeptical, but, um, like I never really doubted it. And then when I did get back to climbing, that's actually when I started finding success in competitions. I think it was just that like extra boost of motivation to kind of overcome something that like really, um, kind of started my success actually in climbing and like in the youth circuit to start with. And then I did all the youth competitions, youth worlds, things like that. Entered into the open scene as well when I was old enough to do that. Started doing pretty well in the open circuit, went to world cups, things like that. And then in 2019 qualified for the first ever, um, Olympic climbing. So, and then, you know, obviously coronavirus, everything got delayed a year. And so I was qualified for the Olympics for over a year and a half, which was like a totally crazy experience. And, um, then, yeah, I got to actually compete in Tokyo in 2021, uh, which was, you know, really exciting and like a big historical moment for competition climbing, especially. And so that was a really, really cool experience.
0: Yeah, no, that's great. And that's, I think your story too, that really got me about having to get back surgery. I mean, one, so young too, right. But then how, how did you handle, especially at a young age too, Getting over that hurdle when a lot of people did tell you you're never going to climb again to get to the level where you're at, and do you think that still makes you stronger?
1: Um, I think I've always had like a really tenacious and um, defiant personality, I guess, and so I think people telling me that like it was maybe not going to work or like that I should like limit my expectations really did the opposite on me and like had had the opposite effect, um, and so I think that almost actually pushed me in a way. Um, but, you know, I think it was almost lucky that I was so young when I got it because I think I was a little ignorant to, like, how serious the surgery was. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it was just, like, a thing I had to do. But to my parents, it was, like, you know, a massive back surgery, which, like, I'm sure was really scary for them. Um, and, like, I was just, like, this will be fine. Uh, and so I think it's actually probably scarier to get it as an adult. And I actually have a lot of people reach out to me on Instagram and stuff like that um, and ask me questions who are really nervous about getting the surgery. And they've seen my story. And that's something I'm, like – really excited to like help people with and through is, uh, like their own experiences with back injuries and back surgeries and scoliosis and stuff.
0: That's really cool. And it's, yeah, just having that connection and being able to connect with people on a totally different level, separate from climbing, I'm sure is really special too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so, all right, Kyra, it's the new year, right? Everyone's talking about goals, resolutions, and something like when I think about climbing or I watch one of your videos, I'm terrified. Like, I feel like my feet sweat a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking the other day, like, you know, you're looking at this wall, right. Or this mountain, whatever you're climbing. And I think there's a lot of parallels to you're looking at a goal for the year, or like we like to say on our most recent episode, like an outcome for the year that you're looking to achieve what parallels do you think there are with setting goals and climbing, you know, for yourself, but also when you are preparing for a climb, how much of it do you plan? How much of it do you have to pivot? Um, I'm just really curious because I just know for me, I mean, I wouldn't be able to do what you do, but I really, you know, I'd have to plan a lot of things out. I just see so many parallels to goal setting. So I'm curious your thoughts.
1: Yeah. Um, actually I had something I had like some thoughts about this that I thought were interesting, um, that I, I was just thinking about this one day, um, where like climbing on like the surface level looks like you fail a lot. Like you fall all the time. Like if you're going into the gym, you're, um, half the time, like you're not being successful on a climb, if not more, you know, like way more than that. Sometimes, sometimes I go to the gym and never successfully do an entire climb the entire session. you know, it's like three hour session of, of climbing and I'm only doing certain moves, you know, and I'm, I'm never actually completing an entire climb. Um, And that can look like really difficult from uh, an outside perspective. Like, you know, it looks like you're not being super successful. Whereas actually like I find a lot of wins within that session, even if I'm not um, maybe looking the most successful. So like sometimes the win or like the goal was to get closer to doing a move instead of even doing the move, you know, Um, like this time I touched the hold instead of not touching it. And this time I almost grabbed it. And then this time I swung out on the hold a little bit. Uh, and this time I like actually held it, you know? So like, those are like the the small wins as you go. And I kind of see, um, goal setting in the same way. So like I have this, you know, so back in 2019 had this huge goal of making the Olympics and that was like the huge mountain goal, I guess. And then, um, on the way to that goal, there's obviously all the small wins. So the first win was to make the team so that I could go to the world cups and try to qualify. And then the next ones were doing well at the world cup so that I could have this chance of going to the competition, uh, to qualify for the Olympics. And then the next ones were like maybe training goals that were like going to help me on my way to trying to make that. So like, I, I think I kind of see it as a bunch of like sub goals underneath a big goal. And I think that is really good for keeping motivation high, um, because you can take those small wins and it doesn't just look like you're like still just climbing the mountain, you know, <laughs> I guess to get that big goal and like you're, you're reaching levels as you go. And I think that's a a really good way to look at it and stay positive, especially in something like climbing where it looks like you're failing all the time. No, definitely. And that's so interesting. I
0: didn't realize that, that most of the time you're falling a lot or not like, I mean, it's, I've never really seen like when you're practicing, right. That's just as, you know, just as common, but I'm sure that also helps make you stronger too, that you're used to, you know, we don't see it as failing, but you're used to not completing it
1: at all times.
0: Um, so now when you're, I just want to like go off it a little bit more, but when you're planning, let's say it's a climb that you've never done before. How do you go about that all? Like what goes through your head? How do you plan best for it? And then how do you, when you're finally on the wall, right. Or on the mountain, whatever you're climbing, how does it adjust?
1: Yeah. So at least in competitions and stuff, you've come out to a new climb that you've usually never seen before. So like in a bouldering competition, everybody is put into an isolation area where nobody can watch each other. Sorry. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, in in competition climbing, you are put into an isolation area, uh, where nobody can watch each other. You come out, you see the climb for the first time you're by yourself, uh, and you have to look at it and figure out how you're going to climb it. And that's called sequencing. And so you look at the climb and you know where the start holds are and you know where the finish hold is because they're marked. And then you have to figure out which is the best like method to get up. So like maybe right hand to the first hold, left hand to the second hold, things like that. Um, and so usually you see people standing there under the climb and miming out what they're going to do. So like you use your hands, uh, and it looks almost like like an interpretive dance or something. Um, And that's partially for like actual muscle memory. You know, you, you mime it out so that you know what you're going to do when you're on the wall and you remember it. So it's almost like you've done it before, before you actually get on the climb. Uh, And then uh, when you're actually climbing, I tend to go a little bit blank in (laughs) in my head. Um, Like, I don't know what I'm thinking about uh, depending. Sometimes it's uh, like total chaos. Like, oh, this holds worse than I thought. And this foot is really bad and I'm going to need to put my weight over it. Like, you know, sometimes it's what I'm doing and sometimes it's just totally blank. So. Uh, well, no. And I'm sure with climbing
0: too, you can't get ahead of yourself.
1: Yeah. Because focus is something I've tried to work on a lot actually.
0: Yeah. Cause you have to just think about your next move, right? Because if you don't make that next move, you're not, you're not getting up any further. Right. So I think that's like something when I was thinking about just like goal setting the other day and how much it parallels is just thinking like to get to your next small and like you said, attainable move and know that like before, and you're saying sometimes my goal is just to get closer to that hole, right? Or like it's not always reaching it right in the moment. Yeah. Um, do you have any goals, Kyra, that you've set for this year for yourself? Just it like life goals, whether or climbing goals, just in general.
1: Uh, honestly, kind of not a ton this year, uh, just cause I had so like the two years leading up to the Olympics of like this huge goal. That was like my main focus. I've kind of been enjoying, um, be- having a little being slightly more aimless, I guess this year, just because I, I didn't have such a huge pressure like the last two years. Um, but that doesn't mean that I'm not like training and, you know, psyched on competitions and stuff like that. Um, I think I'm just putting like slightly less pressure on myself in that way. Um, I guess one of my other goals this year is to just become more well-rounded, um, try and try and a lot of new things. I think I started climbing so young that I missed out on a lot of other sports and like different types of athleticism. And so that's something I'm excited to do is like, just try more sports. Like if somebody's like, let's go do a core power yoga class. I'm like, okay, let's try and do it, <laughs> you know, uh, or I'm trying skiing for the first time since my back <laughs> surgery. Uh, and you know, it's really fun to just be like terrible at something and feel the like small improvements as I like, you know, like, Oh, like that turn felt slightly better than the last time I tried it. Um, and so those are kind of my goals this year are, uh, to become more well-rounded and just like a better overall athlete instead of just climbing. Cause I think that will help my climbing in the long run as well.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. And what about, I heard you say like not to put so much pressure on yourself, how do you handle and deal with, you know, whether it's internal pressure or external pressure. Um, I mean, especially, you know, as an Olympian, but I'm sure you've been dealing with it all your life.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I have like a pretty unique, uh, ability to have the pressure on myself that of, of like wanting to perform, but being like, I guess, nice to myself if it doesn't work out that way. Um, I think like a lot of athletes relate to the fact of like not being super nice to themselves. Uh, and I think that's something that I'm actually really good at. Like, I think I, uh, don't, relate like failures in my sport or in my training or whatever back on my, like myself as a person. Uh, and I think that allows me to keep a really positive attitude a lot of the times. Um, so like the only thing that like slightly challenges that I would say would be when moves are really hard for my back, because I do have the 10 vertebrae fused from my uh, scoliosis surgery. Um, like there's some movements that I'm really uh, bad at because I just can't bend or twist my back very well. And so those moves are really hard to like keep that same like positive attitude. Um, but other than that, like, I think that's kind of one of my superpowers as like an athlete and a climber.
0: Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy too. Like you're sitting here talking car about how there's certain moves you can't do because you have 10 vertebrae fused yet. You're an <laughs> Olympic climber. I mean, my mind's just a little blown, but I'm curious. So in this sports illustrated article I was reading, I thought it was really interesting um, your mom said, and she was talking about how you weren't a standout star in the beginning of your climbing journey. And, um, then your dad was asked if there was a moment when he realized your talent. And he said, probably when she qualified for the Olympics. (laughs) So, you know, it got me thinking about this concept of, you know, if your parents didn't feel like you were this standout star, didn't realize it the whole time. Right. Which some people are too, you know, like you could say, okay, they were a standout star their whole life. Um, but how did you stay consistent? Cause especially too now with like the new year, we're talking about goal setting and all how, and what's your best advice to really stay consistent when you're not feeling like, you're doing the best or you're maybe missing the mark sometimes.
1: Yeah. So I think like, I guess this last world cup season, I didn't like compete as well as I was hoping to. Um, and that was like, I guess a situation where, you know, I didn't feel like I was showing my best and the way I tend to stay motivated in those scenarios is, um, like finding things to focus on outside of the competition goals. So it's like, I'm still very motivated to improve, I guess. And so even if my competition result, isn't showing that, like if I know that I am doing the hard work outside of the competition to, to improve, like that's something to be proud of in itself. Um, and so I set a lot of training goals for that reason, like, okay, I want to make sure I, you know, do this a certain number of times a week. Um, and then I'll feel at least accomplished that I did that and stuff like that. Um, and as far as my parents, that's super funny that they, uh, they said that they, um, uh, I think they are not, they're like total opposite of helicopter parents, I guess. Like, uh, they've always enabled me like a lot. Like they've come to every competition, um, help support me, driven me to the gym before I could drive stuff like that. Um, and I think they just like, uh, I think I was, it's always easier to be the person chasing the top than to be at the top and trying to protect your spot. Uh, and I think, that is something that really helped me get to where I am is that I wasn't naturally the best. And so I had to really chase it. Uh, and I think that's just like the attitude that I have maintained for this whole time is like, you know, I'm just, it's like being at the top, isn't something that you just like get, you know? (laughs) And so you really have to chase it in order to to be there and stay there. Um, And
0: like you said, being at the top may not be where it's at to help you keep growing and getting better because you're more just protecting right. Yeah. What you have versus trying to reach that goal. No, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Are there any climbs that you've been really scared to do or like, how do you handle fear? I mean, honestly talking to you, you seem pretty fearless. Congress, <laughs> so I don't know if this question's even relevant, but I just, I guess it's me. Like, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about climbing and I do, I feel like I'm sweating because for me, just looking at you know, a rock or a wall, and I have to climb it. That terrifies me. Have you ever been scared, or how do you handle fear in that way? If you've
1: had it, yeah, I definitely get scared okay. all the time. Uh, good, <laughs> good to know. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, like pro climbers, or you're like, you know, pro sports athletes, like kind of do look fearless. Um, and uh, like I think that's because of you know social media, Instagram, stuff like that, and just how it portrays. You know, like I'm always posting my successes. You know, and so I had somebody message me once and be like, "Wait, you fall." I was like, of course, like most of the time I'm falling. Uh, and so I was like, man, I should maybe post more of that. Cause it's like more relatable and people understand it. And then don't think that like where I'm at is just totally unattainable, you know, cause I yeah. think it is attainable for, uh, like a lot of people. Um, so anyway, um, I do get scared all the time. Like it happens a lot outside, especially, um, just cause you're, like the pads you put on the ground when you're bouldering outside, um, where you fall to the ground, if you fall, um, like you kind of have to decide where to put them based on where you think you're going to fall. And sometimes climbs are kind of tall, stuff like that. And so I've definitely been scared a lot outside, especially. Um, and then even in competitions, like over really nice pads and like stuff like that, sometimes the move is all about commitment. Like, you know, you have to really jump and stick a bad foot. Like your foot has to like be on like this tiny little edge, you know, or something like that. Um, And a lot of that is just pure commitment. And so I was actually talking to my coach yesterday because I've, um, not been focused on competition style climbing as much since the Olympics, just to like regain some psych. Uh, I feel like I haven't lost any of the technique, but I lost some of that commitment to things like that. So I just need to like get more comfortable on that terrain again. And, you know, it's all about timing and just like how much time you spend doing it. So, um, it comes back and, uh, it gets there eventually.
0: And what helps you get over some of that fear? Like, okay, let's say for now, you haven't been focusing on competition climbing. What's going to help get that psyche back?
1: Yeah, I think I tend to focus on what's rational fear versus irrational fear. Um, So something like, I'm afraid my foot might slip is like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that happens if my foot slips? Like I fall, like, but I know how to fall. I fall all the time, you know? So that's maybe more of an irrational fear. So I'm like, okay, like I, if I commit to it and my foot slips, that's the worst thing that can happen. Whereas like outside, if, you know, the worst thing that could happen is you miss a pad and break your leg, like I might reconsider what I'm doing a little bit, you know, and be like, okay, maybe I, I take a step back on this one and like reevaluate. Um, and so I kind of try and decide if it's rational or irrational like that. And then if it's a rational fear, I, I reevaluate. <laughs> so, do but most you, of the time yeah. it's irrational, I
0: would say. <laughs> I feel like that's for most of us. Yeah. And do you find Kara, if you are going for a move, like you're on the wall, right? You're going for a move. You're on a rock, you're climbing outdoors and you're going for a move. If you have that fear in you, are you less likely to make the move?
1: Definitely. I think, um, I think a little bit of fear can push you, but then yeah, there's definitely a limit where it like uh, healthy fear and unhealthy fear. (laughs) Exactly. It starts to inhibit at some point for sure. Um, okay. Let's get into some of the fun stuff. Like,
0: how you fuel yourself and kind of what it looks like different from just maybe a day where you're not training and just you don't have to have as much fuel versus climbing days when either you're practicing or competition i know you told me you're vegetarian so i'm curious too um and i'm sure our listeners are how you fuel yourself
1: yeah um i like cooking a lot so most of my meals i'd say are like home cooked um, and I am vegetarian. I've been vegetarian since I was eight. So it's actually since before I started climbing, which I think was lucky because my body's really used to being vegetarian. Um, and I became an athlete while vegetarian. So I know some people when they they change their diet at some point have a lot of trouble making sure they get enough of the like macro and micronutrients. Whereas I think my body was used to it to begin with, which is really nice. Um oh, my cat is joining me. <laughs> um but uh so I think that's something that really helps me feel myself. It's just like cooking a lot. Um, but I focus a lot on making sure I get enough protein and enough of like the vitamins and nutrients that are obviously difficult to get as a vegetarian. Um like omega 3s really hard and as well as um like iron things like that. And so like I take vitamin C supplements so that I can take my iron at the same time and uh that's the better way to absorb it and stuff like that. <laughs> and I, totally. so I do a lot of those tricks I would say. So what
0: would be like a typical non training day and training day for you like a breakfast lunch dinner snacks like give it give us all of it
1: yeah i tend to i always eat breakfast like first thing i do in the morning is wake up make breakfast drink water and have a cup of coffee um and uh breakfast is usually like I'm a big fan of sweet breakfast. I have a sweet tooth. Uh so like I usually have pancakes, like chocolate chip pancakes or something with sometimes with walnuts and bananas in it just to get some like more calories and um like a more variety, I guess. So it's not just pure carb. Um and then I um for lunch, lunch is my cruxiest, my most difficult meal of the day, I feel like I just don't like lunch foods that much. Like I don't like sandwiches. So uh I usually tend to have leftovers from like my, my night before uh as lunch. And that's something like, you know, a quinoa jambalaya or, um, pasta with sauce and veggies or, um, like things like that. I also have been making a lot of soups recently now that it's, uh, oh yeah, yeah, now that it's winter. Um, and so, and then yeah, dinner, I tend to cook something, um, usually pretty heavy with vegetables to make sure I get, um, all of those during the day. And then, um, I tend to like things like with rice or, um, rice or pasta, some sort of like um, grain, I guess, <laughs> as like yeah. a base. Uh, being a vegetarian, and then I have a lot of tofu. Uh, and then I'm vegetarian, not vegan, so I drink milk and things like that. And yeah, that's eggs, what
0: I was. So. I was gonna ask you too, Car. How do you? Because I know you said you're very conscious about like your protein intake as a vegetarian, and that's where I think a lot of vegetarians or vegans struggle with, especially when they're like you said, maybe just deciding to change to be mm-hmm. vegetarian or vegan. So, what are some of your tricks to get in and make sure you're getting enough protein?
1: Yeah, I think adding tofu basically to any dish is super easy um because you can kind of it just especially if you figure out how to cook it it's like yeah. pretty easy to add. Um it doesn't add a ton of calories too. It's just basically pure like pure protein. Um I I do eat dairy so um like Greek yogurts with a lot of protein in them are good. Sometimes I'll add cottage cheese to my pancakes um which just makes them kind of more fluffy <laughs> and adds a lot of protein so like stuff like that. Uh, something I do. Um what else? i i also supplement with protein powder. Um, if I feel like I haven't gotten enough in the day and sometimes have that as even a meal, if I make a protein shake with like almond milk, protein powder, banana, walnuts, like stuff like that, because you can get like a solid, like 500 calories in a protein shake and make sure you get like 20 grams of protein as well. Um, so those are kind of like my main tricks for that. I would say, I love the cottage cheese in a pancake. Yeah. It's actually I've really never good. thought of that. Yeah. And I guess you wouldn't like, does the flavor come out, come out or it makes it like slightly tangy. And but then if you put like, um, sometimes I'll just do like frozen, um, frozen fruit and just cook it down in a pan to make like a frozen fruit compote kind of, and then put that on top. Super
0: good. That sounds great. And then, yeah, I mean, even with tofu, like you said, it's all about knowing how to cook it. Like for me, doing some firm tofu in the air fryer and getting yep. it super crispy, oh, so delicious. Or what I love too is using like a silken tofu and putting that in a smoothie. Oh, yeah. You can or, explain, or in a soup. Really. Like we, you know, we make it tomato soup and we'll throw in some silken tofu and tastes exactly like tomato yeah. soup because it has no flavor, but it has all this protein. Um, do you ever do Cairo with your because I know you said you like to put stuff over rice? Or pasta. Have you ever done, um, any of like the bean or chickpea based p- or like lentil based pastas or rices?
1: I have done the, the, uh, like the lentil pasta and stuff. And I yeah. probably I'm Italian. So I love like just like pure, pure pasta, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but so I do like it, but I don't like it as much as I like classic pasta. Yeah. So like if I, if I want something different, I'll, I'll do like the lentil or chickpea pasta. Um, my roommate is also uh, gluten-free so uh sometimes if we cook dinner together we'll we'll do gluten-free noodles for that reason. Um and yeah, the extra protein's nice. But I yeah, I'm a sucker for like classic pasta.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. We actually we just tried um the brand is called Right Rice and we just tried their lentil-based rices and they have like such great flavors. Like they have like garlic and herb but but it's really good. Um the texture is pretty similar to rice. So I feel you like pasta wise, it is a little different from regular (laughs) pasta. Um, but that's a great way. I know, like if I have any clients who are vegetarian or vegan, just a good way to get an extra fiber and extra protein is having some of those bean or lentil based, um, rices or pastas. So how, how does your day change if it is a climbing, like a big training day or a competition climbing day in terms of food or does it?
1: Yeah. Uh, on like a big climbing day, I usually try to make sure I bring some sort of bar, um, to yeah. the gym, uh, just so that my training session doesn't end if I get hungry. Cause <laughs> <laughs> like, i like my energy definitely tanks if I'm like getting hungry. Uh, and so I usually bring some sort of bar that's like easy to digest something like a Nutrigrain bar. That's like just tasty and like, Quick energy. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll bring that. Um, or even sometimes multiple <laughs> to the gym, depending if it's a big day. Um, and then I use caffeine a lot in my training just to like get extra boost. I also it doesn't affect me too much, I think. So um like I, I drink a lot of caffeine, I guess. Um and then I think on like training days versus competition days, um, competition, I get really nervous. And so it's actually kind of difficult to eat. Um, and so I usually try and focus on something that's dense and tasty, something like oatmeal in the morning. Um, so that will keep me really full, but is also like somewhat easy to eat or something like chocolate chip pancakes. That's like it's tasty enough that I like yeah. <laughs> can eat it when I'm nervous, I guess. Um, like I'm not going to try and like. I like I don't like eggs that much like just plain eggs like scrambled and so like I'm not going to like try and force myself to eat eggs on like a competition day <laughs> because it's like not something that I just like love to eat so
0: I'm so curious, Cara, how many people listening to this are like, okay, I want chocolate chip pancakes so bad now.
1: <laughs> I know. It's like, like it's like one of my I
0: mean, I'm thinking it. I'm yeah, like it's Ooh, one of my go-to <laughs> breakfasts for sure. Okay. I have a a four month old right now, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till he's bigger. And I can be like, I want pancakes?
1: One of the glories of being an adult is I can just make myself chocolate chip pancakes instead of having to ask my dad for
0: them. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And I really do. I'm I'm taking that. Um, adding in the cottage cheese in there too. I think that's such a great tip.
1: Yeah. And then with, with the fruit, super good.
0: Yeah. Okay. Curious. Do you focus on hydration or electrolytes at all?
1: Um, yeah, I've actually had a tendency to be really low on salt since I do, um, cook most of my own food and I, you know, I just don't have a super salty taste, I guess. Uh, and so I, I salt my food obviously, but like, I think not eating meat, so I don't get all that sodium from meat. Um, I just tend to be low on salt. And so sometimes if I notice I've been like kind of chronically dehydrated, uh, I try to add like something salty, like, I don't know, chips and guacamole or something. Um, like, you know, healthy fats and all the salt and stuff from the chips. Um, something like that to make sure I'm getting enough of those electrolytes. And then I do use like powders and stuff to put in my uh, uh, water sometimes if I feel like I really need it. Uh, but then, you know, one of my like easy resolutions that um, has helped me just drink more water in general is when to just keep a water bottle out so I just like keep refilling this water bottle. Uh, you can do it with a glass of water or whatever. Um, so that's one thing. And then I also have a goal that I have to drink at least some water before I drink coffee in the morning. So like, even if it's a sip from a glass, I, you know, I have to drink it before I drink my coffee. And that has helped me like really actually hydrate a lot better. Um, cause it's just like, it's a really simple goal. It's not like yeah. I have to drink a Nalgene full of water before I drink coffee. Like that's, Kind of hard to do. But like, you know, the simple goal of having at least some water before coffee has like helped really helped me uh drink
0: more. Well, and Kyra, it's so good for you. Like they show your cells if you have some water first, just in general, or something hydrating first versus your coffee. It's like the shriveled up cell (laughs) versus like the booming ever bright cell. So No, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things I'll tell people. It's like, if you can do anything before you have your three cups of coffee in the morning, just drink, give me like, you know, four ounces at first, like you said, make it attainable. Even if it's just like, you know, do you keep your cup? Like, how do you remember to do that in the morning? Do you keep your cup near your coffee or how do you remember?
1: Yeah, I tend to just leave. But I have like a stainless steel water bottle that I just have like across from the fridge. And so I, when I go okay. into the kitchen, I'm just like, oh, I should fill this up and then fill it up with the water from the fridge and drink some and then make my coffee. So you that. can see it first. Cause yeah. Because that's exactly. key too. Like if you don't see
0: it, it's like you're just going to go straight to that coffee machine. Yeah.
1: It's also a good like mental note. Like I'll start making my coffee, be like, oh, I haven't drank water yet. And then I, you know, just have like, yeah, like you said, four ounces of water, just something first. Um, And it is really attainable. That's actually, I think, a, a good advice I heard from my sports psych actually is, um, with things like resolutions, um, it's really easy to say like, I'm not going to eat any sugar, you know, <laughs> but it's really hard to not eat any sugar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and also that's, I, I, I'm not a fan of elimination <laughs> diets in general, but, um, but like, you know, that's a classic resolution people make. Um, but then as soon as you eat any sugar, you feel super guilty. You're like, oh no, I, I, I broke my resolution. Yeah. So like an, an easier resolution to do is to say like, okay, I'm going to try and eat less sugar. So then you don't feel like really bad about yourself when you do end up eventually eating sugar because you will, um, you know, but like if the then you don't to throw produce, the whole goal away, exactly, right? Exactly. And so it's super easy to just like throw away the goal as soon as you break it. But if it's something yeah, more, slightly more attainable, like I'm going to eat less sugar, it's a lot easier to do. Same with like the water thing. like. <laughs> So yeah, that's something I like took into uh, account. Or same thing, like you know, a couple of years ago, I made a, a resolution to like gossip less. You know, a classic, another classic resolution. But it's like then, as soon as you gossip at all, you're like, oh no, like I feel so guilty now. But it's like okay, gossip less, not never, because you know, everyone ends up gossiping at some point.
0: <laughs> same <thing>. I like <laughs> that. Just add in the word less. Just add in the word less. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you brought up salt too. We, you know, we've talked about that a few times on our show. I'm a huge proponent of I feel like I'm chronically dehydrated and I probably actually right now in my cup every day do a high sodium electrolyte pack because I notice the days that I don't take it I'm definitely more, way more dehydrated um, and do you do you find though car do you sweat a lot when you're training like are you and some people are just like naturally heavy sweaters and salty sweaters or or they're less.
1: No, I'm definitely naturally not sweaty. It was actually something I had to do before, uh, the Tokyo Olympics. The sweat it was outdoors. Test. Well, I, I just tried to teach myself to sweat more, which I actually learned that you can do. I didn't know that you could do that. Um, so like the USOPC, which is the, um, Olympic training center, um, Olympic and Paralympic training center. Um, they gave us a program basically to have like teach your body how to work out in hot conditions. And a lot of that was just going in the sauna, going in a hot tub, overdressing while like, uh, working out. It's like wearing a sweatshirt in a hot environment. Um, and it actually teaches your body to sweat more and you can, um, learn to deal with the like stress of being hot a lot better so that you can think more. Clearly so
0: interesting. Yeah. Which I didn't
1: know. So I taught my body to sweat more and that's kind of annoying because now I sweat more.
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah. You but, can't turn it off. You're not like, okay, competition's done. Yeah. You can go back to not sweating as much. Yeah.
1: Cause I used to get really frazzled in the heat. Um, I think cause I am like kind of dehydrated a lot of the times. Um, and so that actually helped. I, I didn't get quite as like quite as red and quite as frazzled. Um, but yeah, I think naturally I, I definitely am not that. But sick. now
0: do you find because you sweat more car that you're more dehydrated?
1: I think definitely. Um, I get really thirsty while like working out. Like I know some people like just never have an urge to drink water while working out or like eat while working out. They're like, if they're in it, they just aren't thinking about those things. But I feel like my body is like hyper aware of those things while I'm working out. So I tend to drink a lot of water while I'm uh, training and stuff though. So
0: that's so interesting. So
1: I'm curious,
0: you know, we talked about how you feel yourself, your hydration do you have any daily wellness non-negotiables that you make sure are a part of your day that keep you feeling good, or even ones that you're trying to bring into your life?
1: Um, talking with my coach a few like about know, maybe six months back, he was kind of like carrier, you're like a professional athlete. people who are not professional athletes can stretch every day and drink water. And so I was like, that is a good point. I can make myself stretch every day and drink water. Um, so those are like kind of my two main things that I've been trying to do. And I've actually noticed a lot of flexibility gains and mobility gains, um, from just making myself stretch every day, like, you know, kind of same thing. Like doesn't have to be a 30 minute stretch session, but if I make sure I just stretch a little bit at the end of any session or, um, during the day, um, Yeah. do
0: you pair it? Do you pair that stretching session with something else to make sure you do it every day?
1: Uh, I try to make sure I do it at the end of any climbing session. Um, so like at least any day that I do physical activity, like if it's not a complete rest day, I try to make sure I stretch.
0: Yeah, no, that's, it's funny. That was actually one of my goals for this year was (laughs) to stretch more, especially just, I feel like time is so limited right now. Um, with a baby as well, I'm sure. And if you know, I get the chance to go to the gym or work out at the house. There's no time to stretch after. So now in the mornings, after you know we're up early, feeding after the feed is done, it's like okay, baby, you get your play time, <laughs> and he can go on his mat. And I do. I just follow. I'll go. I'll pull YouTube up on the TV and put on anywhere from fifteen minutes to twenty minutes different types of stretching sessions and it's helped so much. And I feel like I I finally have a routine, but it's also like you said, it's like after every session you need to do it, like any training session and just having that pairing to like, okay, after feeding (laughs) you're going on your play mat, which (laughs) I mean, maybe I'm jinxing myself now and he's going to be like fussy after now, (laughs) but then I get to do my stretching video and it just, it makes such a difference.
1: It does. Yeah. And I, I mean, think you, yeah. it was, for me, it was hard to get myself a stretch. Cause I was like, oh, it's not doing anything. Like I'm already flexible enough. Like I'm not noticing any gains, but then as soon as I became more consistent with it, even if it wasn't for like really long times each day, like I started noticing a lot more gains. Um, like I couldn't do the splits before. And like, now I can do them most of the time if I like work up to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and like, when, when you like lengthen that. your muscles, Kyra, you're strengthening them.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like it's, stretching. And that's, I think it's something like, I feel like sometimes I forget too, but especially as an athlete, stretching can have a profound effect on your abilities because it really does. It helps strengthen in a lot of the muscles that we don't use as much, but that we need to use. So yeah, for anyone listening, don't, uh, don't, you know, undermine stretching at all because it really can help improve. And also I even tell people like, um, you know, you have your typical person, which like you know, maybe it's who wouldn't, but I don't know if I would. But the people that are like, I want a six pack, right? <laughs> or I want, you know, I want to be able to see my abs. Well, if you're not stretching your core, and it's same with any muscle, good luck getting that because you really do, you have to lengthen to strengthen. That's kind of like the little, (laughs) the little thing I'd like to remember, but, um, it's really powerful when you can get into a stretching routine or even like, do you use any types of recovery tools like foam rollers or anything like that to help with like muscle soreness or.
1: I do. I have like one of the percussion, um, uh, massage yeah, kind of uh-huh. uh huh. I have one of those, um, and I use like tennis balls or things like that, mm-hmm. like cross balls to roll out like knots in my shoulders and stuff. Um, but I would say I am not as good about those as I am about like just actual stretching. Um, yeah, which is great. It's like any
0: types of recovery. Yeah, um, I do
1: try to get like regular ish massages too. Um, just because I think they really aid in recovery and performance. So,
0: for sure, kind of get get some of that lactic acid out and break exactly. it all up.
1: Yeah. Well, Kyra, this has been
0: so nice. Um, you know, we'd love to end every podcast with a little rapid fire Q and a, and so first thing, you know, first thing that comes to mind, what, it's funny because we're just talking about this, but what is your favorite de-stressing practice or support tool?
1: Uh, I guess de-stressing practice would have to be that I'm a sucker for movies. So I love watching movies.
0: <laughs> like, do you have full, a, do you, a you have a favorite movie of like of late?
1: Um, I have a lot of favorite movies. I'm a huge Marvel fan. So like, uh, really into the Marvel movies, like the new Spider-Man movie, uh, Noah Helm was pretty high up on my list. I think, uh, for a lot of reasons, um, I didn't see that's that probably one. the, that's probably the best one I've seen recently. Um, but like of all time, you know, uh, I really like the princess bride. That's a classic. That's a great one. Uh, yeah. I do love that one. Wally is probably one of my all-time favorite movies. And then, um, uh, the green mile is a really good movie as well. Yes. The
0: green mile is really good. Yeah. Um, okay. I think we know this answer, but coffee or tea. Uh, I
1: love both, but coffee for sure is I'm a sucker for like a good cappuccino or uh, I was going to say, how do you take it? I, my, how I judge any sort of coffee shop is definitely by their cappuccino uh but you know at home i tend to drink black coffee uh i have an espresso machine too so i occasionally make cortados or something but
0: awesome um okay i'm really curious for this answer because you said you'd love to cook what's your favorite home cooked meal and it actually it doesn't have to be something you cook but what's your favorite home cooked meal in general
1: um i think from a nostalgia standpoint my mom makes this um like italian soup that like her mom would make and then her mom would make um it's like we call it brodo which just means broth in italian um, and it's just really good, like tomato soup with like veggies in it with, um, noodles. Uh, the favorite thing I make would probably have to be like, I make homemade pasta and then with like mm. just a really classic, simple tomato sauce. It's like probably my favorite.
0: <laughs> oh, it sounds so good.
1: True Italian at heart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Cara, this
0: has been so great. I'd love for you to tell everyone though, where they can find you, follow you and get more inspiration.
1: Yeah, I would say my most active social media is definitely Instagram, um, and it's just at Kyra K Y R A underscore Condi C O N D I E. Um, I also have a TikTok with my roommate. We're climbing roommates, um, but we don't we don't post as much as we should. You know, TikTok is a lot easier to watch than to make a lot of the times. Um, and uh, yeah, those are probably like the main two I would say um, that I use the most. I'm also on Reddit. I love Reddit. Uh, So if you ever have something you want me to see, you can um, message me on there or uh, tag me in it, I guess. And I think my username is just Kyra Condi. So
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much, Kyra. And um, hopefully we'll connect again soon.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me.
0: When thinking about your goals or outcomes for 2022, I want you to channel Kyra's present focus philosophy. Don't get caught up thinking ahead too much, but instead thinking about just grabbing the next hole, pulling through and grabbing the next hole instead of what it will mean if you do or don't do it. You wanna think about what you're doing in the present moment. If you haven't already listened to our episode on rethinking new year's resolutions, I highly recommend you take a listen to pair it with this episode. So you can be sure to conquer all your goals in 2022. Thank you for listening to naturally well by Nordic naturals. And remember you can watch some of our podcast episodes on our naturally well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at live with Kate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Stephen. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like the show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.